0: Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of L2M Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to our latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership. We're here today with Lucy Newcomb. Lucy is the president and CEO of the Newcomb Global Group. She has more than 25 years of marketing experience featuring successes in markets and international business development for corporations, startups, and nonprofits. She's experienced on four continents with particular expertise in emerging markets, where she led the market entry and establishment of a leading Johnson & Johnson company in Africa, as well as the sales and marketing team of an international consumer goods manufacturer, where she took them from the brink of closure to profitability, among other global accomplishments. Uh, thank you for joining us, Lucy. I'm glad to have you here today. My pleasure, Linda. Great. So first of all, Lucy, tell us, why do we even want to think about going global? I mean, it's, it's enough work to, uh, to, to deal with our local customers. Why should we even think about, uh, about this entire global international business? Thanks so much for that
1: question. I think in the recessionary times, it's all we can do to kind of keep our heads down and stay focused on our local customers. But um, my view over time is that these periods are cyclical and that ultimately the global marketplace is here to stay. We have so many opportunities available to us now and uh, many different support sources, incentives, etc., but perhaps more to the point Our own local markets are competitively available internationally, and it behooves us, if we're not going to go global, to make that a conscious choice. We need to be aware that it's not unusual for an overseas manufacturer to come in and produce just what we're producing more cheaply and sell it in our own local Macy's retailer, whatever. Uh, So there's many decisions to be made if one is going to choose not not to go globally, and certainly many opportunities and different levels of participation
0: if we are. that's important to know. So we should make a conscious choice whether to go global or whether not to. That's my recommendation. Absolutely. So how has the global market changed? And we've had this this worldwide recession, and we've got technology that's available. But what do you think are some of the biggest changes over the last several years in terms of a company wanting to go global? Well, certainly the Internet uh, is the the true leveler.
1: You know, Linda, many years ago we had actually not even that many. Um, It was very hard to access, certainly the more – elusive markets, the smaller markets, and what we would often call the emerging markets. And now, you know, markets like India and China are some of the biggest players. And smaller players like Australia and New Zealand have equal opportunity at the buying table because of the platform that the Internet provides. So just in terms of communication, the Internet alone has made a staggering impact, probably, you know, the most possible. Uh, And then, of course, with the online commerce available, You know, small businesses have the opportunity to compete with large ones in terms of providing maybe more personalized versions of products versus mass market versions of products. It's really hard to underestimate the opportunities available in the global marketplace now. Even with currency fluctuations as a result of the recession, as you wisely note, even with purchasing power going up and down, there are still plenty of opportunities available.
0: That's good to know. So there are people are looking at our markets, we should be looking at theirs, and we should also be looking just to expand. So those are all good points. So one of the things I know that you're, um, you've, you've talked about uh, to me is how important it is to get the global voice of the customer. So how does one go about getting the voice of the customer uh, when you're in a different country or when you're looking at it from, uh, from a very different perspective than perhaps the, uh, the locale that you might be talking to? Well, thank you. I think it's important to recognize
1: a few things uh, at the start. We always want to go tactical to begin with, and uh, being good action-oriented American business people that we are, but in fact, uh, doing business globally, especially in terms of getting the voice of the customer or the the prospect, perhaps, to be very aware of the cultural impacts involved. Um, You yourself have uh, referenced Edward in another um, of your uh, webinars, and uh, he has a wonderful model about low-context culture and high-context high culture, basically cultures that are action-based and those that are relationship-based. And anyone who's tried to conduct business overseas will be aware of these impacts in terms of garnering market research as well. When you go in as an American or uh, a German, some of the English side of Canada, et cetera, you know we have a bias for having the deal drive the relationship. That's how I, I quantify um, Mr. Hall's model. Many relationship-based cultures, though, in Asia, parts of Europe, etc., the relationship drives the deal. So it's a totally different approach, a totally different uh, scenario when it comes to time involved or, as we might say, cogently the sales cycle, much longer. Uh, but these things are all really important in terms of starting at the beginning in terms of gathering customer or prospect data as well.
0: That's important. So, yes, yeah, so it's definitely good to, to know that.
1: I think also, you know, even – Linda, how cultures are treating uh, information also really matters. In Europe, there are tremendous data protection privacy acts that you know, preclude direct marketing and, and also may impact market research. When the Russian um, market was available for research, one participant offered to pay the moderator. She was so thrilled to have her opinion solicited. Wow. In my own uh, experience in Africa, it was very difficult for us to market our consumer goods uh, in certain markets, we went and did some research, but we found that those poten- potential customers were so used to, under the apartheid regime, giving the answer that was necessary
0: to avoid punishment
1: that it was very hard to actually get to the data required to sell the products they wanted to put in market.
0: Wow. So it, so it really does matter as you go from country to country um, in terms of, of what the cultures are and understanding whether it's high context, low context, etc. How does the... Um, how does the ability to do things on the web change the ability for us as marketers to get the global voice of the customer? Can we do that? Are, are all countries and cultures as web-savvy as we are in America? Well, thanks. That's such a, an astute question. I think
1: there's two parts, actually. There's the savvy technology piece, and then there's the, the reality of telecoms cost. You know, in many countries still, it's a dial-on ramp dial ramp-up to the, the Internet. And Those can be high telecoms costs, which, you know, we tend to think of the Internet as free here, and many countries that's not the case. So that's already kind of a barrier in terms of the broader circle of soliciting customer research. Then again, there are these cultural issues that we've talked about. So, um, you know, my bias would be more face-to-face as it tends to be, but... I think probably the wiser choice would be to target one's markets for entry. This is, I I realize, a bit of a chicken-and-egg scenario because it's hard to know which markets to target until you have some research. But hopefully to to, uh, do some secondary research and kind of target maybe, I usually say to customers of mine, three to five uh, potential markets, and then perhaps garner the the methods for reaching those customers and prospects early on. And, And actually, how that research piece happens with customers and prospects, or doesn't, Will be incredibly indicative of how sales might happen or not. So it's all, you know, it's a, it's a learning process at the tactical and content level, in terms of whatever the direct responses are. But the process itself should be quite illuminating in
0: terms of what the sales process might might require. Now, so Lucy, you've been you've been in business for a number of years, and uh, and you've been involved in a number of different countries. What are some of the insights you can share with us, just in general for? Uh, from marketers in terms of things they should look at uh, beyond what you've already told us, but in general, uh, and when thinking about globalization and internationalization?
1: Well, I think um, the longer I'm in this business, the more I need to learn. Is sort of my approach because ultimately this business, even marketing in general, but I think in some ways global marketing more, is absolutely tied to people. I know as marketers, I, I can get very stuck in the weeds at times dealing with ROI numbers, and that's certainly important. I want to make sure I'm making the impacts I want to make. But uh, ultimately, global marketing, more than any other kind, I think, is about um, people connecting with people. And just as you've uh, insightfully asked about the, the customer research process, it's, it's true all the way throughout, from, from start to finish. You know, if we have this great product, but it's completely against someone's religious culture, and by the way, it's a religious-dominated country. You know, that's not something that's necessarily going to show up in a quantitative five question survey. We need to really be mindful and therefore broader in our approaches in every way, as we've already talked about. But ultimately, remember that probably more than the regular markets that we're familiar with, this is really about people selling to people. And all, as um, I talked about the high context relationship culture, even more so in those cultures, but ultimately beyond. And it seems to me that as we watch Americans change under the increasing economic pressures and the kind of accelerated pace of the world, that won't necessarily impact um, our potential customers in other markets the same way. But nevertheless, you know, we are all dealing with things like climate change. We're all dealing with a number of common issues and problems that provide us with opportunities in the business sphere, but also may have different impacts. Maybe products that we tested in one market five years ago didn't go so well. might work well now because we were just a little ahead of our time in that particular market. So it's very important, I think, and, and difficult to stay both focused and flexible.
0: Be focused and flexible. That's, that's a good point. Good point to you know. Great. And then, again, one, one, I guess one final question is we hear so much about business being done in English. I mean, English is, in one sense, the lingua franca of, of business uh, from an international basis. But how important is it to, uh, to look beyond trying to do things in English and really localize within the local language or, or local cultures, etc to be successful. Well, that's such a wonderful question, because, of
1: course there are at least three forms of English that I know of. <laughs> so even <laughs> if we just do English, you know, that has its own connotations
0: as it well, not is not to mention all the English versions we have in the US, right? That's what exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, um, again, a very insightful question. Thank you. I think you know, the main thing is we've been talking about through this call is building relationships at, at whatever level. If you're in an action-based culture, that's going to look a little thinner than a relationship, high-context culture where we might call that thicker. Um, language is certainly a key bridge builder towards building those relationships, whether it's a transaction or, in fact, an ongoing relationship. So it's very wise of you to offer that. And, you know, translations, it, I usually have two translators for that reason, somebody to read it, read it out to the translator and one person to read it back to make sure we've Avoided all those lovely mistakes we often hear about in international Good marketing point. textbooks so uh, I think it's it's important, but I think it's even more important to capture the flavor of the language if that makes sense right so, that, so we're not just you know spewing out of a, a dictionary to make it sound
0: like we're matching something that we're not really offering the bridge we were pretending to offer got it so it sounds like there's a lot of opportunities there's a lot of things we can do, but we need to. Um, to take our time and, and think about this, and, and figure out how to how to enter these markets and really be successful, um, and, uh, and take take some time to do our homework. I think that's really right. And I the other thing I'd say is when I work
1: with a company to expand into another market, I try to impose the idea that um, building a bi-directional framework from the beginning is quite important. We we tend to want to have the headquarters reach out and create a satellite and work operationally and. I think some of the best opportunities, per your earlier comments about voice of the customer, are, are elevated and uh, de- developed in the field, and so we want to have those channels to communicate back to us as well. Yes, it's great to have our global brand in the market building traction and relevance, but we also want to have that flow through so that we know, is this actually working? Do we need to tweak our product in some way, et cetera, so that it's, it's all there all the time. There's a constant
0: flow of development. We've been talking with Lucy Newcomb. Lucy is the President and CEO of the Newcomb Global Group Incorporated, Markets, Organizational, and International Development. And you can find out more about Lucy on her website, which is www.newcom, C-O-M-M, global.com. So Newcom with two M's, global.com. She's got a blog. You can follow her on Twitter and lots of great information about globalization, internationalization, and how you can be successful in those markets. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you, Linda. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, and until next time, thank you for joining us for Marketing Thought Leadership. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by L2M Associates. If you'd like to find out how you can improve the return on your investment in marketing programs, processes, or people, contact us at www.l2massociates.com.